Welcome to Torah Talk, a program that challenges 2,000 years of misunderstanding and neglect of the Torah, God's law. In this show, we will be threshing ideologies by examining these scriptures in their Hebraic contexts. Our goal is to separate the wheat from the chaff, the truth from misconception. This program is sponsored by The Harvest, a Messianic Charismatic Congregation in Thornton, Colorado. of the Torah. Thank you for choosing to listen to Torah Talk. I'm your host, Pastor Mark. It's great to be with you this week. In this podcast, I'll be sharing on the Parashah Vayeshev, translated, He Settled. This is all about the life of Joseph. In fact, for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be focusing on the life of Joseph. Keep in mind that uh, the life of Joseph, Joseph himself, kind of becomes a type and shadow of the Messiah. In fact, later in um, Jewish literature, uh, we have this concept of this person called Messiah ben Joseph. In fact, in the Tanakh, there appears to be two messiahs. One is a suffering servant whose death provides an atonement for his people Israel. And then also a glorious and all-powerful reigning messiah, a king, a king, a king who becomes king over all the world. Uh, The Messiah who suffers and dies for his people is identified as Messiah ben Joseph based on the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis. The other Messiah is identified as Messiah ben David based on the life of King David. We're going to look at Joseph. So uh, we're in the Torah portion for this week. Let's just jump into the story, pick it up, and we'll just focus on some of the high points of Joseph's life as as seen in this story, um, and then make some applications in relationship to the Messiah. And then we'll just go on for the, for the next couple of weeks. Great. So I'm going to be reading from the JPS translation, Genesis chapter 37. We'll pick up the reading in verse one. Now Jacob settled in the land where his father has sojourned, the land of Canaan. This then is the line of Jacob. At 17 years of age, Joseph tended the flocks with his brothers as a helper to the sons of his father's wives, Bella and Zilpah. And Joseph had brought bad reports of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph best of all his sons, for he was the child of his old age and he had made him an ornamented tunic. And when his brothers saw that his father loved him more than any of his brothers, they hated him so that they could not speak a friendly word to him. So we see early in this story that the favor of the father on Joseph results in his brothers being jealous, and and probably rightfully so when you think about it. Um, And they're so upset over this because, you know, every son, every daughter seeks the favor of their father. Um, And so there's a lot of rift in this uh, family over this favoritism that is shown to Joseph. They, they can't even speak a kind word to their brother. Um, it's not even their brother's fault, but regardless, they redirect their anger to their brother. Verse five through eight. Once Joseph had a dream, which he told his brothers and they hated him even more. He said to them, 
Hear this dream which I have dreamed. There, there we were binding sheaves in the field when suddenly my sheaf stood up and remained upright. Then your sheaves gathered around and bowed low to my sheaf. His brothers answered, Do you mean to reign over us? Do you mean to rule over us? And they hated him even more for his talk about his dreams. Now, it's fascinating to note that that Joseph, he certainly is a dreamer. He He's a young young man, and he is full of dreams. And this is one of the dreams, of course, that's going to get him into a lot of trouble. Because in the imagery of the dream, you certainly have this concept that he's going to reign over his brothers. They get it. They understand it. They're saying, you're intending to rule over us? You think you, the youngest of the family... Are going to become you're you're going to become the preeminent one, and we're going to bow to you. Really, they hated him even more for this. Verses nine through eleven, he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers, saying, "Look, I have had another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars were bowing down to me." And when he told it to his fathers, his father and brothers. His father berated him. What? He said to him, is this dream you have dreamed? Are we to come? I and your mother and your brothers and bow low to you to the ground. So his brothers were wrought up at him and his father kept the matter in mind. So they're just seething with anger at this point. Because not only does Joseph boast that they're going to serve him, but he also makes it clear that his own father and mother will also serve him. His brothers, they're done with him. They, they, they are just, they're done with him. Now his father's, he, he's pretty smart. Jacob's been around the block a couple times. In fact, Jacob has had his own encounters with the living God, his own dreams with the living God, and he's a little bit wiser than the rest. So what does his father do? Papa Jacob, he keeps this matter in his mind. He, he, he's meditating on this. He's, he's trying to figure out what does this really mean? Is this a God-given dream? Is God speaking to my son? Is he arranging things for my son? So, so this is the setting of the trauma that's going to come to both Joseph and his father, and then ultimately to the brothers. Verse 12 and on. One time when his brothers had gone to pasture their father's flock at Shechem, Israel said to Joseph, your brothers are pasturing at Shechem. Come. I will send you to them. He answered, I am ready. And he said to him, go and see how your brothers are and how the flocks are faring and bring me back word. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron. When he reached Shechem, a man came upon him wandering in the fields. The man asked him, what are you looking for? And he answered, I'm looking for my brothers. Could you tell me where they're pasturing? The man said, they have gone from here for I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from afar, and before he came close to them, they conspired to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes that dreamer. 
come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And we can say a savage beast devoured him. We shall see what comes of his dreams. So you have the brothers now conspiring to kill Joseph. They're, they, like I said earlier, they are done with him. And so now they're going to actually kill him. They're, they're actually thinking of murdering their brother. And uh, this is insightful in a lot of ways. I mean, it tells us how deep-seated their jealousy and anger is. Verses 21 through 22. But when Reuben heard it, he tried to save him from them. He said, let us not take his life. And Reuben went on, shed no blood, cast him into the pit out in the wilderness, but do not touch him yourselves, intending to save him from them and restore him to his father. So the oldest, of course, is wise. And he says, you know what? Don't kill him. Just throw him in a pit. And then he has his own plan to go get him later, rescue him out of that pit and bring him back to his father. <coughs> Excuse me. So he's got a good plan to, to, you know, reconcile all of this somewhat. Verses 23 through 27. When Joseph came up to his brothers, they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the ornamented tunic that he was wearing. And took him and cast him into the pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to a meal. Looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead, their camels bearing gum, balm, ladenum, to be taken to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What do we gain by killing our brother and covering up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. But let us not do away with him ourselves. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh. His brothers agreed. So ultimately, they knew they couldn't kill him. They knew that that blood guilt would be on their own hands. They couldn't even leave him in a pit to die, really, because they would be complicit in his death. So instead of that, they decide to sell him for a profit. They're going to sell him to the Goyim, to Gentiles, make some money off him. And, uh, and then, he, you know, at least he lives and they, they will not incur blood guiltiness. So verse 28, when Midian, when, uh, Midianite traders passed by, they pulled Joseph out of the pit. They sold Joseph for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites who brought Joseph to Egypt. And it's there in Egypt that Joseph is going to be bought again by the Egyptians. Uh, we'll pick up that story later on. Verses 29 through 30. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he rent his clothes. Reuben was like pretty jacked. He, he thought, you know, something horrible had happened to Joseph. So he rents his clothes. Returning to his brothers, he said, the boy is gone. What am I to do? Now, we don't have, uh, you know, the details of this story, of course. It's, it's highly edited, but presumably they told him, no, 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 no. He's fine. We sold him to the Ishmaelites. They probably filled in the story for, for Reuben. So let's pick it up in verses 31 through 34. Then they took Joseph's tunic, slaughtered a kid, and dipped the tunic in the blood. They had the ornamented tunic taken to their father, and they said, we found this. Please examine it. Is it your son's tunic or not? He recognized it and said, my son's tunic, a savage beast devoured him. Joseph was torn by a beast. Jacob rent his clothes, 
put sackcloth on his loins and observed mourning for his son many days. So Jacob is thrown into the trauma of the loss of his child in his heart. His child has, has died, has been, uh, you know, destroyed by, by a wild animal. And so now he is in a big funk, depressed, mourning for many, many days. Verse 35, all his sons and daughters sought to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, saying, no, I will go down mourning to my son in Sheol. Thus his father bewailed him. The Midianites, meanwhile, sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, the courtier of Pharaoh, and his chief steward. We're going to pick this up in the weeks ahead and develop this story. But suffice it to say, this is the life of Joseph. In summary, I want to connect the life of Joseph. Joseph ben Messiah, the suffering servant, with Jesus of Nazareth. Think about it. Both were sent by their fathers. Jacob sent him to to his to Joseph's brothers to check up on them. And of course, our father in heaven sent his son uh, to Israel, to the sons of Jacob, the daughters of Jacob, uh, for their welfare. But both, both Joseph's family and Jesus's family rejected them. Both hated and rejected their brothers. Joseph was hated. Jesus was hated. Both were stripped. When you think about it, both were stripped and both were placed in the earth. Joseph in a pit, Jesus in a grave. Both were handed over to the Gentiles. In Jesus's circumstances, they handed him over to the Gentiles, betrayed him. Judas, his own brother, betrays him with silver for silver. And then the leadership of the day in Israel hands him over to the Gentiles. Joseph and Jesus handed over to Gentile authorities. The interesting thing is, is that both rise to unparalleled authority, power, and glory through the hands of the Gentiles. In fact, they both become saviors of the world. I'll point this out in, in the weeks ahead. Both are forgotten by their brothers. Both are assimilated into pagan Gentile culture. And then both reveal themselves to their brothers in their own timing. This is one of the most fascinating stories in the book of Genesis. I think the story of Joseph trumps all the other stories. It seemingly is the most involved and longest narrative that we have uh, concerning a person and their, and their life story. It's just amazing in every way. So I want to encourage you to look into the life of Joseph, meditate on it, understand why he emerges as Messiah ben Joseph in the Tanakh, and then also look into these connecting points with Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, how how Jesus fulfills all of that imagery that we see in the life of Joseph 
in an ultimate way, in a consummate way, because Jesus is the Messiah, as reflected in the life of Messiah ben Joseph. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. That concludes our program for this week. A special thanks to our great King, Yeshua the Messiah. And to you, our listeners and supporters, for making this podcast possible through your prayers and financial giving. Thank you. Know that in your prayers and giving, you are partnering with us as we advance the kingdom of Messiah in Israel, the U.S., and throughout the world. We are a highly rated and listened to Messianic podcast on iTunes under the category of Judaism. Subscribe now. Pray with us. Give financially and share the vision and power of this podcast with everyone you know. Baruch Hashem. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm your host, Pastor Mark, and until our next show, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Prince of Peace, Yeshua the Messiah. Shalom. Torah Talk has been brought to you by The Harvest, a Messianic Charismatic Congregation located at 8891 Hose Boulevard in Thornton, Colorado. Your host has been Pastor Mark McClellan. Join us for Sabbath services at 1 p.m. next Saturday afternoon. For more information, please call us at 303-761-9948 or visit our website at www.graftedin.com. God bless you and shalom.